Welcome to University of Iowa Insights, a monthly audio magazine featuring interviews with some of the world's leading thinkers, researchers, and teachers. In this, the August 2009 edition of our podcast, we focus on back-to-school issues for K-12 parents and students. Christopher Clare interviews pediatrics professor Linda J. Cooper-Brown with the University of Iowa Children's Hospital about how parents can reduce the chance for tears and tantrums on the first day of school. Lois Gray interviews Malik Henfield, assistant professor in the University of Iowa College of Education, about how to identify and effectively deal with bullying. And Jennifer Brown talks with Ned Amendola, director of University of Iowa Sports Medicine, about sports physicals for student athletes. I'm here with Linda Cooper-Brown from the UI Center for Disabilities and Development. And we're talking about something that parents are quite familiar with, the first day of school and the tears and tantrums that come with it, from their children, of course. Is there anything a parent should do in the days and weeks leading up to that first day of school that will help with their transition? In advance, um, some of the things that parents can do, certainly being excited and happy and positive about that first day of school. Um, anything that they can attend in advance, like school social events, uh, kindergarten socials, where the child spends time with the teachers and peers, back to school socials or ice cream socials. For a new child, that's important because then they can get a chance to meet the teacher and their classmates, visit the classroom, and explore the school both inside and out. For returning uh, children, they can reacclimate to the school and to their classroom. When it's time to get ready for school by buying supplies, buying things for that uh, school, for school, they can buy the supplies together, get them energized for that first day of school, pack the backpack in advance, and maybe put a little note inside of there or a picture that the child can pull out for, for discovery during that first day and make them smile. The uh, end of the first day of school is important too, correct? Uh, On the first day of school, even uh, if the parent is able to arrange their schedule for one parent to be home that day right after school, uh, that would be be nice. Um, To engage in some special event after school, make arrangements for something special to happen on that first day of school. But if it's not possible, certainly spending the evening um, so that they can review all the the fun things or the positive things that that have occurred. So what's a parent to do? when that moment of truth arrives? Well, for those that are the the tears and kind of more of an anxiety response, maybe some brief reassurance would help the child. Um, If there are plans after school, remind them about those plans. Remind them how excited you'll be for when they come home and how they can discuss their school day with you. And then leave with a smile. But for those tantrums, one of the best things that can happen is to just very briefly tell them that you will see them after school and then do not stay and try and calm them. It's better to leave as quickly as possible and then let the teacher handle that. The teacher has been there and done that with other children and will be able to help handle that. What common mistakes do parents make in these situations? Things that might, you know, make it worse? Staying too long because that will probably increase the anxiety and increase the tantrum by being there and reminding the child that the longer they they do this behavior, it's possible that mom or dad will rescue them and take them away from this event. So 
wishing them well, smiling and leaving is the best situation. Is this basically inevitable, something that's going to happen to all parents? Uh, Nervousness and anxiety, butterflies, tears, those would be the more common things that that children might do. And full-blown tantrums are not as common, especially for uh, children who are about first grade and older. Bullying is a serious problem in many classrooms and on playgrounds across the nation. Today, I'm speaking with Malik Henfield, an assistant professor in the Counseling, Rehabilitation, and Student Development Program in the University of Iowa College of Education, who has experience on how to handle bullying in constructive ways. Malik, many of us have heard national news reports on students who have committed suicide after being bullied. How serious of a problem is bullying in schools today? What are some of the reasons students are bullied? And what is the impact on a student who is being bullied? Well, bullying is a very serious issue. There's been a number of studies to suggest that bullying is definitely something that's on the rise in our nation's schools, actually. Uh, Boys have been found to typically be more physically aggressive. However, girls rely more on such things as verbal and and emotional bullying, like social exclusion, teasing, and click forming. Uh, Kids who are bullied may avoid school bathrooms, cafeteria, or the playground for fear of being hurt, picked on, or humiliated by other kids. Some children may miss schools because of uh, the fear of the bully. And now, you know, we're in the 21st century, so cyberbullying is becoming more and more common due to the prevalence of technological advancements such as uh, Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, and other things. Students now have access to all sorts of uh, means of communication that weren't in existence even a decade ago. Someone today could uh, bully another student by spreading a vicious rumor, for example, without ever technically saying or doing anything at all. And there's also a lot of evidence of students resorting to hurting themselves as a result of being bullied. Malik, why do some students bully other students, and can you provide advice on how to help a student who is being bullied for both the parents and the students themselves? Well, it's important to understand that there is no typical bully, just like there is no typical target. Uh, There are a lot of reasons why some people may bully. Many children tease their peers simply to go along with the crowd, you know. Uh, They may see it as a way of gaining popularity amongst their peer group or making themselves seem like they're tough or in control at any given time. Uh, Some bullies do it just to get attention or to make other people afraid of them. Others may be jealous of another person because of their academic or athletic prowess, something like that. Or they may even be getting bullied themselves and want to uh, try it out and see how it feels to be the aggressor as opposed to the victim. Some bullies may not even understand that their behavior is is something that's um, aggressive and hurting and hurtful to other people. For parents, it's important that they understand the warning signs of bullying. And there are many, but here are just a few. For instance, if your kid comes home with torn, damaged, or missing pieces of clothing or books, uh, if they have unexplained cuts or bruises and scratches, uh, let's say they seem afraid to go to school or walk, walk to and from school or ride the bus, or let's say, for instance, they have lost interest in school altogether. There may be, they may be being bullied in school. For students, it's important that they understand that the first thing that they need to do in case they're being bullied is to contact an adult and let them figure out exactly what to do. They also should try to find some friends and stay in a group because oftentimes bullies have been found to not want to be aggressive when students are in uh, groups. If it feels safe, uh, parents can teach their, their kid to try to address the issue by role-playing. 
Um, teach them how to walk with their head high and project a sense of confidence because oftentimes bully will pick on, bullies will pick on kids who they feel are less aggressive and won't respond to their tactics. Um, they can pretend to be the bully and have their child be the one who's bully, being bullied and practice some things and do it again reversing the roles. This will help the child crystallize these abstract ideas of how to say no and how to report it to an adult and thus enable, enabling the techniques to possibly be more effective. Malik, what advice can you provide to teachers to help intervene and support students who are being bullied? Prevention is the key. First and foremost, educators need to understand that the onus is on them to create an atmosphere in which students feel safe, in a place where students are able to learn and not have a fear of bullying uh, getting in the way of their academic achievement. There needs to be a culture of no tolerance in the school. Policies and consequences related to bullying should be clearly stated and, pol and plastered all over the school. And it's very important that everyone understand that it's not one person's issue. It's not the student's issue. It's not the parent's issue. It's not the educator's issue. It's our issue, and we all must tackle it together. In Iowa, a physical exam is required before a junior high or high school student is allowed to participate in school-sponsored athletic events. I'm talking with Dr. Ned Amendola, UI Professor of Orthopedics and Rehabilitation and Director of UI Sports Medicine, about what is included in this exam, what a physician is looking for, and what types of conditions might limit a student's participation in sport. So, Dr. Amendola, what does a sports physical involve? Well, it's basically a, an examination, usually by a physician, um, of every one of these uh, kids or athletes. Uh, it involves uh, a history. In other words, they usually fill out a form that uh, asks them questions about all their uh, body systems. You know, if they've had previous surgery, if they're on medication, if they have had any other concerns with uh, breathing, you know, uh, any other uh, heart problems, uh, abdominal problems, and so forth. And so once they complete uh, their... Uh, history, uh, then uh, usually a physical examination is conducted to make sure that the you know, their joints are working well, they have normal flexibility, they don't have any deformities or any other musculoskeletal problem that would prevent them from participating safely in the sport. And what what is a doctor looking for? Are there particular warning signs that are uh, red flags? Well, the the physician uh, or whoever is con conducting the uh, sports physical is basically looking for any conditions that can be aggravated uh, by participating in sport. Uh, for example, if uh, somebody has asthma, for instance, that's aggravated by physical activity, uh, I think it's important to note that so that the uh, athlete doesn't have a problem during the participation. Um, if they have any other warning signs, like uh, they have a murmur or something uh, cardiac-wise that may be pointing to something occult that's not been a diagnosed previously, I think it's important then to conduct a further investigation like an electrocardiogram or echocardiogram to make sure their heart is functioning well. So basically you're looking for any condition that is, is going to be aggravated by sport so that uh, you don't run into that and you can see that beforehand and make sure that the, uh, the athlete can participate safely. So learning that they, they might have a limitation in terms of their participation in sport must be pretty disappointing for some uh, student athletes. Do you have any advice for them and their families? Well, luckily, um, in these uh, young athletes, it's very uncommon to uh, you know have any of those findings. On the other hand, uh, as you and, and uh, you know probably the parents have heard that sometimes you have the uh, occasional athlete die from sudden death from participation in sports. So I think if you put it in that sense, that you're basically trying to prevent that from happening. 
and you're trying to prevent any long-term morbidity uh, or mortality from participation in sport, I think people are fairly, you know, happy that uh, you, you've assessed the uh, situation, and now it's been uh, clearly diagnosed. Everything's transparent, and I think it's much better than not picking that up and then something bad happening. Final question: Who can do a sports physical? Where can families go to get this done? Well, that's an interesting question because it is—it's uh, not really regulated who can do a sports physical. Uh, generally, the the school or, or the institution that's requiring the physical will often ask for a physician to conduct the uh, physical. Um, generally, it should be a physician that's had some training in, in sports medicine or um, sports injuries, as we do here at the UI Sports Medicine. You know, most of the physicians are trained in that area. Um, in the Iowa City School District, we actually conduct uh, free physicals, and this is we, meaning uh, it's a whole team of physicians, including some physicians from the Steinle Clinic. Uh, and every spring, uh, we offer free physicals to all the kids going to junior high or high school in this uh, in this district. Thank you very much. Thank you. This podcast was produced by the University of Iowa Office of University Relations. For more information on our podcasts or to subscribe, visit us at news.uiowa.edu.